This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Today, I'm excited about our episode for a couple of reasons. First, today's episode is going to be a recap on our recent trip to Michigan, where we met with industry leaders and growers there to talk about the big issues and opportunities ahead for blueberries. But I'm also excited to be talking about the fact that we took a trip. That's right. This wasn't a Zoom call. We actually boarded a plane and flew somewhere. Joining me for this trip was USHBC Director of Communications and Industry Relations, Jill Schofield. As many of you know, Jill recently joined our team at NABC and USHBC, and this was a fantastic opportunity for an in-person visit for Jill to one of our growing regions. And it was my first opportunity to travel in over a year due to the pandemic. So needless to say, we were both excited to get out on the farm and meet with some growers. So what did you think, Jill? Well, I, I think it was a great trip. You know, there's only so many things you can accomplish in a virtual environment. And I think the real learning and listening and collaboration comes from getting your boots dirty. So, you know, for me coming on as a relatively new team member, it was just an eye-opening experience, an educational experience, but also really a great reminder of just what the blueberry family is and, and the culture of the Michigan blueberry industry is based in that sort of family structure and environment. And that just really struck me as someone coming from, you know, multi-generation agriculture family myself. Uh, I really appreciated how that was really ingrained in a lot of the conversations and farms we got to visit. And, you know, it was my first trip to Michigan. So I think we both appreciated the Midwestern hospitality we were treated to. You know, everyone we met with provided great feedback to us as an organization, but, you know, the conversations were just so open and welcoming. And I, I really appreciated that on a personal level as well. Me too. No, absolutely. And I have to say, you know, from the time we touched down to the time we left, it was just an action-packed agenda with great conversations. It just reminded you how much time has been lost due to the fact that we haven't been able to get together like that. And so, it just reminded me and emphasized just how important our industry connections are and getting to actually be together. Well, joining us today is Rex Schultz and Denny Vanderkoy. Rex is a grower and owner of Heritage Blueberries. You might also know him in his role there at True Blue, working closely with Shelly Hartman. Many of you know Shelly and her role as vice chair of the USHBC. Rex is also a member of the USHBC's Innovation and Technology Committee and also serves as the executive director of the Michigan Blueberry Advisory Committee. Denny Vanderkoy is with us. He is the owner of Woodland Berries and the chair of the Michigan Blueberry Commission. And he's also a member of the NABC Trade Task Force. Welcome and thank you both for joining us on the business of blueberries. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate it being here. Glad you were able to make the trip in for Michigan. No, it was great. Well, I appreciate that, Rex and Denny. Rex, let's start with you first. Let me just say how much Jill and I really appreciated all you did to make last week's trip a real success. 
But maybe you could just share from your perspective what made this trip so necessary and important now. Well, Casey, uh, first of all, I want to thank you once again. Uh, we had such a great time with you and Jill being there and uh, showing Jill Michigan and, and all we have to offer for her very first trip here. And we look forward to hopefully having you guys come back and maybe during the harvest season. But uh, what was really nice about the whole trip that came in with the several meetings, one in the north, one in the south, was uh, the fact that we could get growers in front of you. They could put a face with a name that they hear about. They uh, had an opportunity, which is what we were trying to get to the growers, is to learn more about USHVC, NABC, and the roles that they play at each one of our lives as growers. We certainly wanted you to come in and share with us the importance of the referendum that is coming due up in October for vote. And I think that judging by the response of the growers that attended the meetings, I think they were very happy with uh, what they heard. And they got a better understanding and a bigger picture, which is what I felt was a great accomplishment is, is that I think there were some people that had some negative thoughts that came into the meetings. And I think those negative thoughts turned over to more of a positive thought towards USHVC and NABC. Yeah. I mean, I know part of this was a, you know, an opportunity to move from essentially the Zoom conversations to in-person conversations and your sense that, you know, it really was important that we get in the room to kind of provide the opportunity that otherwise I'd say Zoom either wasn't accomplishing or couldn't accomplish quite like an in-person meeting, if I have that right. Yeah, we've just Zoomed out and in-person gatherings are much more our flavor. It's almost as if, you know, you get into this pattern of Zooming and you forget just how effective those in-person opportunities were. And they certainly were last week. But what were the key takeaways that you think growers walked away from from those conversations last week? Well, I think they could see where their monies are going to. And there was things that I was unaware of. And uh, even the involvement that I have, I said, wow, I didn't know we're doing this and doing that. And I think the key takeaway was is that they could really see the whole picture of where their money is going to. And the assessments that they pay in were really pretty minimal compared to what the benefit that we're receiving from it. Now, one of the things, Rex, that you helped orchestrate was just kind of the tours around the regions. I know our first meeting was there at Crossroads, but then, you know, we went to Rendier's and we were able to kind of just keep a schedule of visiting different operations and fields. But, you know, your harvest is about ready to kick off. And of course, we'd love to come back there in the middle of it. But I'll start with you, Rex, here. Give us a little bit of a forecast or prediction as you're seeing it come together for 2021. Well, this year, it's sort of been a roller coaster, Casey, in uh, our season. Uh, the first part of May, we had some unseasonable cold weather, and then it flipped to unseasonable high temperatures and been a little bit of a roller coaster. We're starting to see a little bit of uh, some noticeable damage in our early varieties this year, but it's probably one of the greatest and best pollination seasons we've had in a long time. With that note of the upcoming season, this is a perfect time to pause for our blueberry crop report. I know, Rex, you've been a, a seasoned participant in providing those reports to our podcast there from Michigan. And now that the domestic harvest is in full swing, there is plenty to share. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. 
It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Mario Ramirez in Mexico, Neil Moore in North Carolina, Eric Staffney in Mississippi, and Bill Steed in California. This report was recorded on May 26, 2021. Hi everyone, here Mario from Oneveris with the Mexican Blueberries Report. As the previous weeks, we keep decreasing our exported volumes in more than 24%, and that's because we're reaching the end of, the end of our season. This week, the total volume was 4 million pounds exported to all the world. This season, we grow around 20% with a world exported volume of 129 million pounds. But for this date, we are preparing the gels for the next season, so we don't expect affectations. That's all in my report. Thank you very much. This is Eric Staffney from Mississippi State University reporting for Mississippi and Louisiana. The weather has finally turned favorable. Rain has abated for now and temperatures have risen in the mid to upper 80s. These conditions are good for harvest. Southern Hibis harvest is nearly complete and will probably be finished this weekend. Rabbit eye harvest is just beginning this week and this weekend will be full on harvest for the early rabbit eyes. That is later than average. Volumes overall will be lighter than average uh, is what we're expecting. Uh, as far as certain varieties, Alapaha and Premier Rabbit Eye varieties have light crops. These are early varieties. We are seeing condensed ripening of Rabbit Eye varieties with early varieties coming in with the mid-season varieties. And that's my report. This is Bill Steed, the California Blueberry uh, Report. We're right in the middle of our uh, beginning of our peak. We figured our peak's probably about a three-week peak. The weather has been very favorable for us for picking this year. We see no disease impacts to speak of. We did last week reduce our total volumes by almost 20% of the fresh pick market. And that was pretty much due to the fact that we could not get the labor. And uh, <clears throat> we revised the numbers in Beamrick. We'll be reviewing it again today in our uh, uh, monthly meeting. You know, it's the issue of. Uh, the fruits there, uh, prices are at least stable. And um, yeah, it's just a question, can you get it in the box? And so at this point in time, uh, that concludes the California blueberry. Hello, I'm Neil Moore from North Carolina. This is my crop report for Memorial Day week. Disease and pest pressure, there seems to be no disease or pest pressure to report at this time with the dry weather helping in that regard. Our labor pool here is adequate at this time. Hand harvesters are still arriving in North Carolina from Florida and Georgia, and there seems to be an adequate supply, but some farms aren't harvesting this season. So we really don't have a good gauge on how well our labor supply would have been if North Carolina had experienced a full crop. Our varieties being harvested now are Rebel Star, Susie Blue and O'Neill, and New Hanover and Duke are just starting this week. We should be in peak production this Memorial Day weekend. Our crop size estimate is still around 20 million pounds fresh, and there will be some process this season, but we don't have an estimate to report yet. That's my report. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our Data and Insight Center 
to more clearly see what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made the snapshot view of USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. I think this is be a, a good transition to pull you in, Denny, chair of the Michigan Blueberry Commission and a grower there. We had the opportunity to visit your farm and maybe you can tell us a little bit about your family and, and what changes you're going through there in that production we saw there in Michigan. We really did appreciate uh, you guys coming to our farm and, and visiting us. We're a fourth generation organization. I got uh, two sons that have bought into the business and another son that is working part-time for us. So uh, we are a family operation. Like I told you, my grandpa planted the first berries in 1952, about a half a mile away from the main farm where we uh, where we first met. And um, the first berries planted on our main farm was in 1957. And we have now totally replaced everything but about 0.8 acres of that. In 2004, we started with a couple partners involved in a picking and packing operation also. Uh, we've seen that as the future of the business. Uh, as well as pick and pack our own berries, we pick for about 10 other growers locally around the North Holland area. We set it up with north, south, east, west ideas of when it come into production so that we're able to keep a good flow starting around the 4th of July right on through to middle to end of September. What really struck me about the tour with you is just how forward looking that perspective is on what you're investing in. But it was also clear that there are things that are still working on your farm. I mean, you talked about Blu-ray uh, relative to the U-Pick, but maybe you could talk a little bit about the varieties that you're looking at and how you determine those varieties and methods to try that you feel will be that eventual future for Michigan. Uh, I know uh, you and I stood in one of those fields and we talked about the Elliott in particular and your, your perspective on the Elliott's future. Uh, so maybe we'll start there. Michigan has a tradition of bringing forward the Elliott, and you have a point of view about that, at least from your perspective. You know, Michigan enjoyed for a lot of years a niche market with the Elliott being the late season. And there was a time when we were the only game in town at the end of the year. Obviously, that October, November, December was something that we could only get to in the early part of October for the most part. but we enjoyed that market for a long time, and that niche has obviously been filled with year-round berries. Um, we're getting some import pressure at the end of our season now, really making a big transition for the Michigan growers. There was a lot of our profit, if you will, was, was made within the last four weeks of that year. And some of what we did, though, was we obviously picked them berries, we stored them as long as we could, and then we shipped them as long as the market would take them. And uh, what we did was we picked them berries immature, we stored them. Um, they didn't end up being the best tasting berry all the time, although a rather tart, immature Elliot coming out of storage, the storage did take some of that tartness away. But needless to say, we picked an immature berry for the most part so it, so it could store. In the last couple of years, especially what we've been trying to do at our packing plant, we're still storing some, but on a very short-term situation, looking for when we can fill the market a couple of weeks out and make a big difference. But the Elliott Berry, I believe, and I think we've proved some of that, 
is if you let it ripen and be the Elliott berry it's supposed to be, it is a good berry. It is still tartar than what maybe some people are used to. But my farm market people that buy from me really have a very small fall off in how much they buy at the end of the season versus what they buy at Blue Crop. So they still, they buy the Elliott as long as I'll give them a blueberry. And it's a quality thing. So um, we've also, in the last couple of years with the Elliott, with the introduction of the Splendor, we're able to not only increase the fruit set and the size of the late picks of the Elliott in my farm, especially being as far east as I am and early, I've been able to regulate timing also. So instead of having to pick them early and store them, I can actually hold off the picks for a couple of weeks and uh, make a big difference, which brings a better quality berry to the market. Yeah. So you're saying there's a future for the Elliott? I think there's still a future for the Elliott. And I don't know what else to say except for that. Um, I think we have to, to pick it like it's supposed to be picked. We have to ship it and not worry about storing it and give the best quality fruit we can get. As a variety, it is, um, I wouldn't say it's the best machine picking variety, but it, it's not a bad machine picking variety either for us. So our costs can come down significantly if we do more of that also. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Let's get brainy. Taking the time to focus on brain health is vital, and USHBC is helping consumers find more ways to grab a boost of blue during Brain Health Month this June. Enjoying fresh and frozen blueberries daily is one of the small choices that as part of an overall healthy diet and lifestyle may add up to support brain health. Throughout the month of June, USHBC's new promotional campaign highlights recipes, resources, nutrition information, and health research to shine a spotlight on blueberries as a deliciously simple, snackable, and healthy option. The month-long campaign promotes blueberries through videos, social media content, email marketing, and digital advertising, including original content developed by our Blue Crew Health Professional Partners. The Brain Health Month campaign is one of six power periods that elevate our grab a boost of blue call to action in a big way. You can join the effort and boost the blueberry message to your audiences through the Brain Health Toolkit, which you will find at ushbc.org slash toolkits. There you can also find the National Blueberry Month Toolkit to get a head start on planning your promotions for July. Wow, what an exciting time for blueberries. Let's get the whole industry taking advantage of this vital time to spotlight their amazing benefits and drive demand. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Denny and Tom. Denny, I have to say, I, I loved rolling around in the Viking with you and talking about the history of your farm and just seeing how much you have going on there. In, in particular, you know, I know you've got a U-Pick operation. I really appreciated just seeing the culture of Michigan's U-Pick. And maybe, Denny, you could talk a little bit about that culture. I know you've got your patch there that you you welcome the public on, but it just seems like everybody in Michigan has a piece of that direct-to-consumer relationship. And how has that shaped your business decisions on the commercial side? My parents ran a U-Pick here for 
for years and years, and we've just picked up on it and actually grown with that. As the farm whole farm market trend is moving within the the culture of of you know everybody has a farm market every town. We have uh, grown with that. It's very interesting being a traditional blueberry growing area that a lot of people used to pick blueberries as as kids. And uh, in fact, we're servicing some fourth generation and fifth generation um, people now that come and have been picking here with their great grandpa, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, coming back to the same place, it's grown right along with the whole farm market, buy at the farm, farm to fork, d- direct as as uh, it has any other place. Yeah. And, and maybe talk a little bit about how you got yourself involved with leadership there in Michigan. Now you've ascended the chair of the Michigan Blueberry Commission. How did that leadership role come together? Probably because of my age <laughs> a little bit, the history of knowing the, the, the blueberries in Michigan. But I got involved getting the MBC, Michigan Blueberry Commission, started and was fortunate enough to be appointed by the director of ag here in Michigan to the organizing committee. And then was appointed by the governor twice now for being on the committee. I follow, uh, as far as chair, Creela Hamlin, who really did a fantastic job helping getting the whole Michigan Blueberry Commission organized and going. Yeah, it was great to see Creela. And I didn't realize that the Michigan Blueberry Commission was a governor-appointed position. So that that's a great intersection between kind of how USHBC works as well. Maybe you could talk a little bit at a high level on how you see the difference between what the Michigan Blueberry Commission does, you know, versus say what the USHBC does as an organization. Yeah. When we organized, we were organized under a public act 232, which is a, a um, research education and promotion legal entity within the state of Michigan. I believe there are I think I might be wrong on this, but there's 11 or 12 of these committees and, and commissions within within the state. We talked long and hard about where our focus was going to be. And the focus of the Michigan Blueberry Commission really is on research and education. We chose uh, not to be heavily involved in promotion. We do promote uh, um, some small things that go around the state of Michigan, like the Blueberry Festival and stuff like that. But But we are basically focused and and the assessments that we take in at three tenths of a cent a pound um, really only allow us to do the, the, the research and we really were looking at that time at a transition that was happening within the world of blueberries to where we had to start looking at new varieties that that would be able to be grown in Michigan because um, a lot of the emphasis in the genetic area right now around the world is in the southern high bush and Michigan is a traditional growing area. Um, we do get temperatures into the minus teens, which most southern high bushes won't take. We do have the spring frosts and stuff like that. So I always talk about a Michigan variety is what we really need. So looking at the changes in the industry, we were looking at the best way to replant um, and looking at just plain putting our Michigan blueberry industry at the table when it comes to other commodity groups for for getting added uh, access to grants and stuff like that that's really what what we're what we're after and we're pretty proud of the fact that we can leverage almost all of our dollars with grant money that comes from the state 
we work very heavily with with MSU researchers, and um, we've really been able to support them much, much better in the last four years than than they've been in the past. So, yeah, well, and maybe that's a good uh, connection back to the leveraging between the Michigan Blueberry Advisory Committee and the Michigan Blueberry Commission and, and USHBC and ABC that you're obviously doing from what you're describing work that you know we're not doing there in Michigan as it relates to the research and those particulars that you're digging in there. And at the same time, you know, I think what we got out of the time we were together in these different meetings, a much clearer perspective on who's doing what and why uh, the work that is uniquely USHBCs to do to drive demand and to promote. And the research we're doing is of those health benefits and, and ensuring that that health halo is strong and well-established and continue to be pursued. But recognizing, I think, in these meetings where we all have a part to play and we're counting on each other to play those parts. It's um, the Michigan Blueberry Advisory Committee is our trade organization, much like NABC and uh, the Michigan Blueberry Commission is a checkoff. But we are we are focused on research and education. And that's why I thought it was really important to um, help host I got to thank Rex for all the work he did too. I got some credit, yeah. but I, I didn't do anything but get out of his way. So, um. <laughs> well, he did a great job. It was really great to see the two meetings come together. Was there anything in the meetings that you attended that struck you as important for dot connecting and, and the opportunity, the table that Rex set for us to have this conversation with growers? Well, Rex said an awful lot there, and, and I, I, I agree with all of it. I, I think as as the um, Michigan Blueberry Commission, what our goal in all of this was that as the referendum is coming, that the growers here in Michigan make as informed decision as they can make. And it was very important to get you out there. When you came on board, I looked at it as a reset for USHBC. And um, I love all the communication you're doing. Don't stop that. Um, and I think we just got to get more growers plugged in. I don't think they're used to that. I talk to a grower and they have something, a question or, or maybe something um, not as positive to say about USHBC and the checkoff and stuff is when I get asking them about what they know about it recently, they aren't as plugged in. And that's, I think, the thing that we need to do. I was really impressed with you sat and talked for four hours to us. And I don't know how many people realize that, but we ate lunch and you didn't. And we really appreciate that. But no matter what question came up or what comment was made, there was a slide or an answer for that. I just thought that was tremendous. The depth and the breadth of what USHBC is actually doing for the blueberry industry is unprecedented, I think, for us. Well, look, I appreciate the both of you, certainly appreciate the time here to talk a little bit about our trip out there to Michigan and just what you all have in store for not just this season, but future seasons. And that's really exciting. It was exciting for us to see and and we'll be obviously staying in touch with how this season goes, Rex, your role and providing those crop reports there, but excited to get back out there too. So be able to land there in Michigan and have these great discussions and kind of talk about what's yet ahead for the blueberry industry was super important. So I appreciate you both. Thank you for being a part of the podcast today. Thanks, Casey. And looking forward to you and Jill, you coming back during harvest season, really looking forward to that at some point. All right. Good talking to you. Thank you. This has been another great episode and a great discussion with our Michigan hosts and leadership. 
Jill, as we wrap things up here, it would be good to take a moment to reflect on this great trip and experience we had traveling and visiting with growers there in Michigan. So you're new to the industry, first trip to Michigan. What were some of your key takeaways? Well, you know, Casey, I think one big takeaway is that in Michigan, and I'm sure other growing regions that we'll get to visit, this is so much more than a blueberry industry. It's a blueberry family. And that's something I really appreciated about our visit. You know, these growers and operations are so connected with the community through their U-Pick operations, their farm stores. There's just a really close connection and relationship that they have with their customers. And that was really great to see. It also struck me that what we experienced in Michigan is exactly what we close each of these podcasts with. Innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work. And I think that's exactly what we saw. I was impressed by the innovation we saw embraced by each of the growers we met with and by the collaborative spirit in which our conversations took place. But the principles of family and hard work were also apparent in every farm tour meeting and conversation we were able to have. And that really kind of brought it home for me, really kind of seeing up close and personal the things that we talk about, about what this industry represents. And that was really exciting for me. Well, I agree. And I've had the opportunity to be out there, you know, one other time before. So, you know, getting to connect again or reconnect with folks, uh, it just reminded me on how important these in-person connections are. You know, nothing can replace our first opportunity to kind of sit down that week and break bread with folks and just talk and exchange thoughts and ideas that, you know, don't quite translate often the same way as you do when you're in person. And so very productive, some great conversations about where our industry is headed. I'm looking forward to more of these opportunities and to visiting other states and regions throughout the country in the coming months. But this has been another great episode of the Business of Blueberries. I want to thank again, the many people who not only made our Michigan trip possible, but who made us feel so welcomed. I left certainly with a, a renewed excitement for the future and the pride to be a part of this industry. It was just a great, great trip. Well, that's it for episode 49. But before we close out today's episode, I have a special request for you, our listeners. Would you just take a few minutes and tell me what you think of this podcast? It's hard to believe, but we are about to wrap up our first year of this podcast. This show in relatively short order has become a cornerstone of our communication with the industry. So as we set our sights on producing another season, we want to hear from you, what you liked, what you've appreciated most, and what we could be doing to make this a great resource for our industry. So in the show notes to this episode is a link to a listener survey. It won't take you long, but I can promise that your feedback and comments will be influential in the future of this podcast. So again, please find the survey link in the show notes and let us know what you think. By participating, you'll be entered to win a Business of Blueberries Yeti Tumblr. Very exciting. But thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Thank you.